welcome to our podcast. We did it. We did we it. We did it. Here we are. Well, we're been? doing it. We're doing it. That's it's not done yet. We'll see if this actually gets released. <laughs> Anyways, how, how long have we been working on this? Ooh, I mean, it's quarantine day. What? Four hundred and seventy million something. <laughs> it hasn't been five years in the making. I don't know. Anyways, what we started on this? What week? Two weeks into quarantine? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but we had the idea, and we had a secret episode that will never be released. Two years ago. It's two years ago. It's 45 minutes of us rambling. <laughs> I'm Tristan. I'm Jordan. That's or, Jordan. Or TBA. I might change my name depending on what I like. And this is I Need to Know. The podcast. Can you stop with that? That's all I can hear. Oh, I get nervous. <clears throat> Jordan, today. Mm. I need to know, what the fuck is up with polls? Seriously, y'all, what the fuck? So, you know, I've been obsessed with cults for a long time. Have you ever been in a cult? Uh, not to my knowledge. You know. Do you ever look back on situations and think, wow, that could have possibly been a cult? I'm glad I didn't go to that spaghetti dinner. <laughs> no not me personally but there's times that I look back and think man that could have been me like at any point in my life especially I mean the people we've talked to the last couple of weeks like I mean they're very personable likable people and that just goes to show that like anybody could be in a cult it's not like a you know what I mean I think at any time someone is susceptible to being in some sort of cult during their life. Yeah, I believe that. If, but there's, if you think you're immune, there's probably been a point in your life where you weren't. And I mean, uh, I don't know. Maybe. Talk about it. Let's talk about some shit. Tell me the stuff. So. Hello. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number four. Number four. So this is the fourth time we've tried recording today. Um, the first three times we just fucked up and then one time the power went out. Yeah. Oh, my I really then, hope this isn't a fucking omen, man. This is like, I'm not worried about it. I, I, <laughs> so here we are finally. Yeah. Uh, what were we I'm, talking about? Colts. <laughs> are we looking in or we're not introducing we're just picking up where we left off okay oh. that's good. that's fine are, are we editing or <laughs> no we're gonna edit let's just pick up where we left off because guess what we are human and sometimes our power goes out and sometimes we have to start recording and where you don't need to record everything all over again so sometimes you have to sit in a parking lot with one working windshield wiper in the middle of a storm before you can drive home. And that's what adulthood is. When you put shit off and you only have one working windshield wiper and then can storm. Jordan, I <laughs> have more working windshield wipers than you do. And I live in the desert. <laughs> every time you're here, get it together. <laughs> Let's talk about cults. Let's go. Talk about how scary they are. Jordan, what what is your definition of, of a cult? Tell me your definition. Man. My definition of a cult. I don't know. It's like if Chandler were to ask me what a cult is, I would probably say it's a group of people who like live outside societal norms, but their like whole thing as a group has malicious intent or something, you know? And it's interesting. Yeah. I, I'd tell her like, watch out man for that shit. I don't know. I, <laughs> but that's also putting it in terms to my eight year old. What about what's your definition of a cult? 
Um, well, my personal definition of a cult is a group of people that are manipulating the people in the group. I think, simply put, that would be my def- my definition. But that's just my opinion. And on this podcast, we're going to say our opinions, and they're not always going to be politically correct or accurate. So let's talk about the true definitions of cult. So first, simply put, if you type in cult definition to Google, you get a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. Thoughts? Yes. Thoughts? Thoughts? My thoughts. Mm. No, I mean, I'm, that's pretty accurate, but... Okay, well, <clears throat> I think it's accurate, but I think that a lot of people label things that they don't agree with as cults. I think that they think, like... I agree. <clears throat> I agree with that. There are a lot of groups that are labeled as a cult that don't actually fit the definition of a cult. Cult expert psychiatrist Robert J. Lifton outlines three characteristics most cults have in common. One, a charismatic leader. Two, a process of coercive behavior or thought reform. Three, economic, sexual, and other exploitation of group members by the leader and by other group members. Personally, I think the biggest one of those three would be having the charismatic leader. If I said, hey, I'm going to go start this community, we're all going to move out into the middle of the desert, we're going to live on a commune, people would just assume that's a cult, right? I mean, some people would assume that's a cult. Okay. A lot of or, people- the be- or the beginning of a cult. But the difference between that and a cult is if there is one charismatic leader. Yes. Or, or a couple. But the point is that there is a charismatic leader. It's not just a group of people getting together and choosing to do something together. There is a leader in- involved. Yeah. Yes. Give them- They're most likely men. Yes. Which but is- not all the time. But not all the time. Because, I mean, we've talked to a couple of people who, you know, said they were in cults that were led by women, too. Yeah, we'll talk. But when you ask me what my definition of a cult is, that just comes to mind, you know, Jonestown, Waco. Literally fucking, what's, what's the one? Heaven's Gate. All they talk about with Heaven's Gate is Marshall Applewhite, but you very rarely, unless you're like listening to a podcast or something, you know, specifically about Heaven's Gate, they're not going to talk about Bonnie Nettles and how... You know, she was like a cult cult leader with him. Exactly. So not, I'm not advocating for women's rights to lead cults. By the way, that's not what that is. I'm just saying. I feel like the majority of cults that we know about are male dominated. What cults that did have female leaders or did have a female leadership role are often not talked about and there's some instances that I don't really understand that we talked to we talked to someone that was raised in a raised in a cult um, that was a subsect of the Pentecostal church and their leader and their pastor preacher was a woman. What I don't understand is how these women come into a leadership position in this cult and they choose to suppress women. Why? Yeah, I don't get that. Next, we're going to have an interview with Sheila, who was raised in a Pentecostal church that she and many others believe to be a cult. The group was extremely repressive to women, only allowing them to wear long skirts, no makeup or jewelry. Activities outside the church, like movies or football games, were forbidden, and public rebuking was the norm for those thought to have sinned. So tell me about what group you were you were in. 
All right. So um, in the South, they have a lot of Pentecostal churches. That's what they call them. And um, they refer to themselves as, pen oh, they don't really, um, some people refer to themselves as Pentecostal. A lot of people say it's holiness. But um, my mom got into it when she was 14. And we live, well, at that time, she lived states away from where it was located. And eventually she moved out here, got married, and I was just raised into it. Okay. So, yeah. You were, you were raised in it. So it's a kind of a subsect of the Pentecostal church then? Yes. A little, a little bit? Yes. I mean, a, a lot of people from the South, they, you know, they all, they have their own, like, nicknames. Some people say sanctified. It's, like, really really strict religious but not everyone is a cult okay yeah that makes sense i i grew up in oklahoma so i'm fairly like familiar with like southern culture and we had a group similar and they were called church of the firstborn mm. um, but they and nobody that i've ever talked to has ever understood that name as in, in like known it as a religion and so I think, like you're saying, like every there's like little groups that pop up that kind of form around the same, um, yeah. a set of ideas, but they're all their own groups. So what what mm. was it? What was it like? Um, initially, I mean, from a child's perspective, it seems perfect because you have so many friends, so you're going to church and any manipulation tactics that are being used you think it's just normal so it was so many kids there at that time at that time it was a lot of kids so everyone had someone to talk to their age so you didn't really feel isolated now in school you did because it wasn't that many of us in the same grade level so everyone we would always stand out because you know what we wore which was long skirts ankle skirts right you know, no jewelry, no makeup, nothing. It was. Right. I I remember being a kid, and we had one family, and and that was in the church that I told you about, Church of the Firstborn. That the same thing. Um, no medicine, no no doc, no doctors. Skirts skirts to their ankles, and like you said, no jewelry. They did not cut their hair, and. Mm -hmm. In school, they seemed, aside from a couple, those couple of like things that we could obviously see, they interacted with us like normal. And but I actually found out they had, I want to say like eight, eight or nine um, kids, and all but I think one were girls. And so they they were every every single age, like all the way. And I have a sister that's about four years younger than me. It was in the same grade as, as one of them. And she, I was talking to her recently. We were just like re reminiscing. And she said that she actually used to bring an extra pair of pants to school with her for her friend so her friend could change and wear pants. I was like, Jackie, you would have gotten in so much trouble. You cannot <laughs> messing around with that because they all wore for like gym, they all wore like shorts underneath their skirts. But she was like, I totally brought an extra pair of jeans for her. And she'd just take her skirt off to her in the day and wear her pants. And I was like, okay, then. So, <laughs> so it was, they were very rigid, your, your group. So, as, so you're, you're a kid and you, you what, you're going to church. Is there anything outside of church that you're doing? Is it like full-on family involvement or is it just like you're going to church the couple days a week or once a week? Um, honestly, it was almost, it's weird to say, it was almost technically church 24-7. If like my mom would take us to the park, sometimes church kids would be there. But we, like I said, it was, it, we went to church a lot. It was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. And then sometimes we would have revivals where it'd be Monday through Sunday. 
so if there was no outside friends that we wasn't allowed to hang out with people who didn't go to the church so when my mom tried to do that i guess i mean i guess she felt guilty because you know eventually a lot of people started leaving I guess they didn't like what was going on as well. So we didn't have friends. So eventually my mom allowed my my sister to hang out, but she cut that off quickly too. So it was like, honestly, you was inside of church, but outside of church, you were still with the church people. Right. So they it was just like full and full involvement. Yes. Everybody's lives revolved around it. Okay. Yes. Everything revolved around the pastor. She, she was a woman. And her story was she left the church because they didn't allow women preachers. So she made her own church. And so I guess from that trauma, this this turned into an even more set of trauma. So it was, it was, she would say that the Lord called her to do this. And honestly, it was basically everything revolved around her and what she liked and what she didn't like she would manipulate and say what well she would say well i don't want this i don't want this i I don't want this but she don't say it in a way where it's like that's just her preference she would word it where i don't wear this because it's wrong and then if new people will try to join they can wear what they want like the first wait two weeks but eventually it's gonna be like you gotta change that you got to change that. It's all, it all circles around her and her ideas of, of, of holiness and what's right and what's wrong. Just a lot of misogyny. Just, you know. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's how it always goes, right? Like, there's <laughs> a person that for whatever reason, they decide that, like, their word is God. Whatever they think you should do is exactly how it needs to be. And, like, there's no room for interpretation. Yep. So what more than just like the outside physical appearance, what more went into your set of like rules and ideals of what allowed what's holy? Um, no social media at all. No going to football games, no playing sports. Um, no ask, okay, no asking questions about why we do this. It's it's just this is what I this is what we do. Um a lot of um weird like rituals as far as like purity, like the girls were made to testify and say, Yeah, I'm still a virgin, I'm still holding on, you still save and sanctified. That's what they were saying. But for the guys, they wasn't really they didn't have to say that. And if they wanted uh, dating for um dating for guys it wasn't just like okay you need to get married immediately you it's like for girls to say okay you you need to find your husband you need to do this you need to start having kids but the guys had more of a leeway they wasn't like they still had rules they couldn't wear shorts they could only wear pants but if they disobeyed from the church perspective, it was like, well, a boy going to be a boy. And eventually, if a wife lives her life so holy, she can make her husband saved. Like, a, and, a, and honestly, everything is blamed on the woman. If it's sexual assault, if it's you getting abused by your husband, it's like, you need to do something different. If he cheating on you, you need to do something different. It's like... Yeah, who's... What I think stands out to me a lot about this is that you had a female leader. That's something that I just am trying to wrap my head head around because one, most cult leaders are male. And so it's it's kind of its own novelty in that sense itself that it, it was a woman leading it. But what really gets me is I've never, I've never, just never understood, like, why women feel repressed and they choose to repress other women rather than, like, rallying around each other. I started, I started this new show called um, Mrs. America, and it's on Hulu. It's pretty good and actually takes place in a small town in Illinois which is where my mother and her mom grew up. 
And so I asked my grandma if she like remembers this woman. She said, yes. So it was this woman that was super political. That was actually her big platform was that she was against um, like women's rights and feminist groups. Is that she was like, they're taking away our right to be homemakers. They're taking away our rights to be women. And it was like this whole thing. I was like, lady, what are you, what are you doing? And they, the show was like kind of laying it out very interesting. But I just, sorry to like ramble, but I just found it so interesting <laughs> that like women can be in that leadership role and still choose to repress other women. And I don't know from a psychology standpoint, if that's just them trying to gain a little bit of control in their life, like if they can't, uh, if they feel repressed, like maybe if they repress other people, they'll feel okay. Or maybe if everybody like shares that, shares it with them, they'll feel a little better. I don't, I don't super understand that, but I find that like super interesting that you had a female leader, but the majority of the rules were so strict on women. So for the men, were they allowed to date outside of the church? Were you, one question that I had, were you guys allowed to have like modern medicine? Yes, we were allowed to have modern medicine. Now, we didn't take that aspect of like anti-vaccines or anything, but the only thing that was really terrible was the whole mental health aspect if you're like suicidal or or depressed or have, having any mental health illnesses now that was deemed you you just the devil talking to you but as there far as like no, other medicine, like, fine. so there was no like mental health services or anything you kind of just oh that's so sad to hear this is really just my my personal opinions and observations but for me it seems like people go to church because they just want some sort of guidance or something so i feel like a lot of people that are in some sort of mental distress will reach out maybe if they weren't like raised in a religion that's the time that they would reach out and so it's painful to hear that like you just couldn't get help with anything so we're were people like kicked out of the church or were they just shunned? What, what, what would happen? Like if you were like if a teenager came and said, Hey, I'm having all these struggles. I feel suicidal or I just feel depressed or whatever. What, what kind of happened to them? Um, you, I mean, I, I, I've had a personal experience. My sister, I was, well, mental health disability, not necessarily like a autism, but, you know, bipolar and a lot of other stuff. When initially she first came out, it was like, oh, it's just the devil, pray it away. Or in the South, uh, specifically very Pentecostal holiness churches, they do a thing that's called tearing, and you tarry the devil away. You call Jesus' name, and you're supposed to spit and convulse until that leaves. Eventually, they realize it didn't work. And she had to get help because it went from her having those thoughts to wanting to hurt us. So they would say, well, apparently our prayers ain't working. So that's the only reason why that changed. But that's not to say that they gave that. They didn't give accolades to mental health. They was just saying, well, prayer and it's mostly prayer. And eventually you'll get off that medicine. I The only thing I know for a person who got kicked out is because they end up getting pregnant by who someone who was married in the church. They kicked them out to make it seem like they got married because they were having sex with someone from the world. But no, they want to cover that up. Interesting. And they only kicked out the woman. Of course they of course they of course they did. Because men are perfect apparently. Apparently. So what what was your your like daily life like as far as this this group went? Um, depending on what time of the year it is, if it's school, um, school didn't get ready for church in the evenings. But in the summertime, when we were out of school, we had prayer services, and they have those Monday through Friday, some at nine, some at twelve. But literally, it was just 
church. It was church. It was it was just church, 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 church. Then we end up having like a food kind of ministry where you give out food to people. So that was another reason why I was in church. Basically, everything wrapped around church. And if and if you if you were sick, instead of you just staying home, you had to be at the back of the church. There was no okay. I don't feel good. I don't want to go to church. There was no sleeping in church. Even if you were tired from going to school, it was like no. You are gonna be in church. You are gonna enjoy your service. It was, it was just, it was a lot. And honestly, like I said, as a kid in, in elementary school, I didn't mind it because we had we had such a social connection with kids that it didn't feel abnormal. When middle school happening and you start going through puberty and you start seeing the discrepancies between the male and female, then you start seeing other stuff that's happening behind closed doors. It was like, this ain't it. So, and what, it, well, you said middle school. So, would that be kind of the point for you where you started to realize that, like, something's off here, something's wrong? Or was it, were you just worried about like, well, he gets to date, like, why can't I date? Was it, was it like a smaller scale or were you actually kind of having a shift of like this entire group might be wrong? Um, I, when middle school, I just noticed that it, we weren't allowed to basically have boy friends, not like a boyfriend relationship, but guy friends in general. So it was not normal for us anymore. We would be separated if we went on a church event like the boys don't talk to the girls we could only talk to them if there was adults around i didn't change and think that okay this is a cult i didn't realize that to college where they were getting mad at us because we had friends that went to church as well they were mad at us because we didn't go to church wednesday through friday we just went on sundays and then it got really cold and i was like i'm not wearing no skirt in the winter it's cold it's cold. And I was the first one to say, I'm not wearing skirts. And I'm not wearing skirts no more. And then eventually that led to us thinking about, well, why was we wearing it in the beginning? The, this one, I noticed it was cold. It was money issues. You know, in college, you could get a refund. Well, my friends would give a lot of their refund to the church as for tithes. And I would say, I'm not giving that all that money to the church because what... I was just, I didn't think about what they were doing with it. But at that time, I was like, this doesn't make sense. The church didn't need it. We didn't have programs that needed money. But, of course, the pastor had a new car and a new house. But we, the church was located in a, uh, uh, um, basically, a really underdeveloped community as far as, like, employment is low. But she lived in this nice neighborhood. Everybody, most of the other people didn't. And like I said, she got a brand new car, paying it off with cash, and then she said she's going to build a gym. She never built a gym, but she got like $30,000 to build a gym. Where did this money go? That's when that's when I started thinking, I would say, this makes no sense. And then when you try to talk to people about it, they just, they, when you try to talk to your parents, because my parents are still in it, and my sister left. And her husband's mom is still in it. When you when 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 they try to have conversations, they don't really talk about it because they don't have a rebuttal. They just it's just a lot of manipulation te- techniques used so you won't ask questions, and you get publicly publicly rebuked if you did something deemed inappropriate or rebellious, like asking normal questions. <laughs> oh, like, wear pants. Yeah. So. The, the money thing, were they, so every, every church out there asks for, you know, some, some sort of money. And personally, I don't think that that's super wrong for churches to ask for money. That's how the church, that's how the church works. But what I do think is wrong is when people are manipulated into living a lesser lifestyle because mm-hmm. the church needs the money especially like you said that this group was serving an underdeveloped community yet taking excessive money from them speculation wise do you how much money do you think that they were they were bringing in depends so 
when we moved to a different church, we had to pay it off. And eventually we paid it off. And this church was like $250,000. So we ended up paying it off in eight years when it's initially supposed to be paid off in like 20 to 30. So we rallied up money to pay the church off. And we have a church anniversary celebrating. This is weird. Celebrating that we paid it off. But we have a church anniversary every year. And that's around the time people get their income tax. And they still collect oh, money. And they still collect thousands of dollars, but the church is paid off. Where is this going? So it, it, it's pretty much all going in the woman's pocket. She's kind of just pocketing all the money. What did the adults think? Like, what was, were there, were there ever adults that ended up getting kicked out because they stood up and said, like, hey, where's our money going? Like, what, what's happening with this stuff? I couldn't say for sure. Most times out of 10, people just left. They just stopped coming. There wasn't a, I have never seen anyone stand up to her because she used manipulation techniques and it was basically verbal abuse to get what she wanted to make you feel guilty if you question anything she would make you feel guilty if you're not tithing she would say your name and say you're not tithing in front of the church she would she would do that so it wasn't i've never seen anyone stand up to her and say anything to her because Basically, she made the church. A lot of her family goes to the church. So she basically got a posse. So right. that's not going to go on. That's why people just left. And you think, okay, what happened to them? And you find out they just left. They just stopped going. And then she'll badmouth them and say, you know, other, you know. So public humiliation was definitely a, ta was definitely a tactic then. For, for you, what was leaving like? So you're no longer a part of the church, but your your mom still is in, in the, same, the same church and your dad. And my little sister. <laughs> oh, man. But she's grown, but she's still my little sister. Right. Uh, that's how my little sisters are. One of them, I, one of them's like, just finished her freshman year of college and... I'm like, you're still a baby. What are you doing? So what, what was leaving for, for, you, for you like? and How has it affected your relationships with your family? Um, the story of me leaving. So I ended up in college. I started dating someone who was not in the church. And that was frowned upon anyways. But the selection of guys, like they would try to, well, marriages were basically arranged. My mom and dad marriage was arranged. So, and I was like, I don't like these people in here. My choices were limited. And the person, the person, the people who wanted me to get with was a terrible person, terrible. And I was like, I'm just not going to do it. That's something you're not going to force me to like somebody. Because one, I didn't, as a kid, I don't know if I, thought about this as being rebellious but I never wanted to I honestly never wanted to have kids and I never wanted to get married to be a, a homemaker that wasn't what I wanted to do so I already knew from the jump I wasn't trying to get married at 18 and have no kids so I went to college started dating this guy we went to high school together we we got married pretty fast because of the whole guilt trip of oh you're not supposed to be having sex and you ain't married so I just felt guilty and we got married extra quick and so, and while we were dating, he had to meet the pastor like she was my family, when she's not kidding me at all. She had to meet him, and he had lied and said he was saved, because, you know, that's what you got to do. And we started going after getting married, and every time I would go, I would get severely depressed, because the women in the church were, were very rude and very jealous they were jealous that i one chose my own spouse and that I, two i was just younger than them and they just will just say oh you getting fat are you pregnant are you pregnant and of course they want to get into your business birth control wasn't birth control was frowned upon too unless you had medical issues but yeah they they want to be in your business and i just always felt depressed when i went there so i was like 
my husband was like, you don't need to go there anymore. You're not happy. And I didn't think of it as a cult. I didn't leave because it was a cult. Did not. I left because I was depressed and I got nothing out of going to church. And then she started referring to us as sinners. She was like, all the sinners leave. We're going to have a meeting. Like, who does that? How do you know I'm a sinner because I'm not at church every day? So um, I stopped going. And then eventually my sister stopped going. And we end up talking about it. And we would say, yeah, this ain't right. And we end up finding out about stuff that was going on to kids and no one did anything about it. And we would say, this is literally a cult. We, we didn't leave because it was a cult. We left because people were so mean and rude and evil. But that's kind of how it goes for, for most people is that they don't realize that they're in a cult until they're out. Because if, if the cult is doing typical cult manner, you're going to be happy with it while you're in it because mm-hmm. you're manipulated or you're brainwashed. Like, what was, like, recruiting new members like? It was called um, witnessing and evangelist. You will have people, you will be ordained and evangelist if you recruited people consistently. So everyone everyone in church had to witness like you had to tell people like i told my friends at elementary school come to church come to church because that's what they told us it was active recruit like it, the revivals we'll have tent revivals outside people you and it was always a tent it was always things being used to get people to come in like a dinner afterwards it's like but yeah, it was always, you need to witness. You need to tell everybody about Jesus because you say, you need to do this, you need to do this because more people, more people, more people, more people. And That's eventually, the people car. got too old to do it. Exactly. So what, what, were, what was your view of the outside world when you were, when you were a kid? Before, before you had the knowledge you had now, what did you think was happening to the rest of the world? I honestly didn't think about it. I didn't I didn't even think about I I all it was I was so consumed. I forgot the other word existed. I just thought I didn't think about what was normal or what what they were doing at all because you were so consumed. Every waking moment was literally church. Every moment was. So I didn't even have time to think about it. So it was like it didn't exist. Okay, so what did they say anything about the outside world like being wrong or being bad or like did they ever try to like scare you away from it yes if um the whole thing is their their stance was if you're not if you don't belong to this church you're going you're going to hell if you decide to leave leave to another church you still ain't right the outside world was just deemed sinful anything was sinful like i said going to the movies going to a a basketball game going i think to the arcade going going to anywhere that's mostly what they deemed numb religious people was a sin so the everyone was basically our enemy and we was better than them we was raised to think that we better than them because we wear skirts (laughs) <laughs> so how estimated how many people were were in your church at at any at like at any given time um now the church is basically empty everyone's getting older and most of the kids just left because a lot of them some of them didn't like what was going on and some of them thought it was a cult but a lot of them just don't go because it's not fun everybody's rude but yeah, it's 2020 we don't want to wear skirts anymore <laughs> Yes, but our elementary school was packed. We had upwards to almost 200, maybe more people in the church. And that's a lot for just a regular church that's coming devotedly. Yeah, especially for like the South where there's so many churches to choose from to get that many people in one is, yeah, that that is a lot. So some people are probably like 200. Because like, I know there's like mega churches out there that have like thousands of people, but mm-hmm. it's it's different when it's like 
small. And so I don't think I asked you, what area are, are you in, in the South? Alabama. You don't have to tell me. Alabama? Oh, I like, I like Alabama. I like the South, but I also, I like the South now as an adult. <laughs> when I like was a kid in Oklahoma, I was like, and Oklahoma is, is a little different than like the South South because we're like half like Midwesterners and like mm-hmm. half Southerners. So we have like Southern hospitality and like home cooking, like good Southern food, but it's still not, not the same. But my, I have family, my family moved to Atlanta after I had already left and they're still there. And I love going down there now. But when I was a kid, I was like, get me the hell out of, out of here. Exactly. <laughs> so are, if you don't mind me asking, are you, do you still um, practice or follow a religion now? Um, no. What's weird is that I end up, um, I tried going to like Jehovah's Witness, but that felt culty too. So I was like, eh. I've heard that about them is that a lot, a lot of people say that it's like, it, they're very culty in their, in their practices. And I, it's, it's tough to differentiate like true religions from cults. Because if you look at, like, Christianity as a whole, or you look at, like, the Catholic Church as a whole, it ticks a lot of boxes for, for being a cult. But, unfortunately, it's so old and so many people practice it that, like, you can't call it, you can't call it a cult. And if you do, people are like, how, how dare you? But, so it seems like these smaller subsects of churches and religions is really what ends up being culty because it ends up revolving around like one leader whether it's a pastor or preacher or mm-hmm. priest or whoever so what what was she like and so is she still there so what 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 is she like she so from my understanding her word is like the right thing to do anything she says is like what you have to do and she's buying like cars and paying for her lifestyle with the church's money but be beyond that what what's the feel of her um it's um, i would say it's a bittersweet type of personality she uses this whole grandmotherish feel because i think she's like 80 something now she wow. uses this grandmotherish feel to reel you in to feel love. That's how they get people. Because, like I said, we're not in the best neighborhood. So it's a lot of substance abuse, unemployment, um, single parents. And she gets that type because she'll be really loving and motherly. And it, I honestly think it's just a mental illness, just to be real. Because then you just split and you just get this very abrasive person. And it's like she she feels as though if you get successful it's because she's been praying for you and she feels as though she does she you're you owe her like it's it's a dr jekyll situation you either gonna get the real nice one or i don't need you i don't need your money all this other stuff it's that's what you're gonna get it's no in between interesting so it seems like to me that she's kind of one word that I hear all the time with like cult recruitment is like love bombing where they give you all of this love and praise and they make you feel so loved and accepted but then once you're sucked in then it kind of switches to where you can never be good enough and you are going to be constantly striving for them to make you feel that way again, to feel the love and acceptance. And so that's definitely like what, what she was, she was doing is like bringing people in and then being like, wait a second, I don't need you. I'm going to pray for you, but I don't need you. Please give me, please give me your money. So your family still goes like, what, what is that like for you, for them to still be a part of it? Um, it's disheartening because at one point my dad didn't go and he seemed more confident and more 
independent. He had his own thoughts. And now it's just like back into the whole setup of doing what the church thinks is right. It's just like they don't have their own life. Everything with also in the church. If the pastor called and you need to do an errand, you get up and do an errand. If we were supposed to spend time, like that's what that's one thing I would say that bothers me. Like Mother Day, Mother Mother Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, any type of holiday, and it falls like on a Sunday. They purposely have long services, and then they sometimes they have two services, and they already know people trying to see their family, and it's just that my parents didn't. I think my parents and um, internally were sad that I left, but my parents did not shun me. They didn't say anything. Like when I first wore pants to my parents' house, they just were surprised, but eventually they just got over it. I feel as though they just, I guess since me and my sister got married young, they still feel proud of us and they still um, mesh us being holy, even though we don't go to church because we don't, we didn't do, we, we didn't have like the normal college life. Like we didn't go out and party and nothing because we got married young. So I feel right. like that's an excuse for them to still show us the love because you know, we're doing good. Now, if we were doing bad and if we, and if we end up having kids early, I don't think they would have been the same. Right. Well, at least for you, you still have that family connection. I, I personally know people that got shunned and kicked out and, like, had to leave because they had, like, differences with their church and, like, their family was just like, well, you don't like the church, like, get out, bye. Um, so to the point of them kind of expecting you to get married young and like start having babies off the bat what what's their reasoning like for that for for the church are they kind of is that just another way to control people is like if you go straight into this lifestyle like you're going to be busy raising your own kids you're not going to have time to think about anything either than like your babies and church Honestly, that to me isn't um, one of the cult things. I think that's just something that they grew up thinking was right. Be fruitful and multiply. And they just haven't, that's just their personal ideas. I don't think that was an aspect to control us, but it was mostly the people in the church, the women in the church, like, oh, you ain't had no baby yet. You ain't had no baby yet. At one point, my mom was pressuring me to have kids. And I told her, I was like, I don't want to have kids. If I change my mind, I change my mind. But kids are expensive. I have student loan debt. And if, and if you got to babysit the baby all the time because I don't want it, you're going to be mad. So it just ended up being in the whole acceptance thing. But it's not because it's the church's belief. It's more of a just a misogyny, Southern, be fruitful and multiply thing. Right. Did, did they ever, like, have members that, were in school and had to like leave um when I say school I mean like college age school that had to like leave what they were doing because they needed to like get married and get pregnant or because they were pregnant and had to had to focus on their new family rather than going to school um we we did have one but honestly going to college was something that wasn't necessarily that was newer now, we did in the past have, like, a couple of people going to school, but our generation, it was more of us going to college. So that was something new. They didn't expect it in general. They just didn't even know how to handle it then. Yes. But you would be deemed, like, the only reason why I feel like it was accepted because they saw it as, you're going to college, you're going to make more money, so more money is going to go to the church. Right. Was there ever anything that the church actually did with the money that you can say, like, well, at least they did do this for us and, or something? Or was um, there ever, never a point where you were like, all the money is disappearing? At, at, at the beginning, I felt like more of it was going to um, actual causes, like 
um, we had like church fans that we would use at the town, the church park at the behind of it, keeping it up. It shifted to more, okay, I need more money and I want to, I'm trying to, you know, heal my childhood traumas for being raised poor. It just shifted towards, okay, okay, we need more money. We need more money, but everything was already paid off. That's when things shifted. Once everything got paid off and you were still asking for the same amount of money and then you're talking about people not paying their tithes, that's when it sh shifted. It's, it's, yeah. Did they ever have anyone besides the leader handling the money? Was there ever like a church accountant or someone that was like handling anything? It was all just going like straight to her. They had people count it. We had offering and they would count the money, but that was all being given to her. Now, if anything was given, now her son would, he's become, I guess, the pastor when, whenever she passed away. But he would get like, Money would go sometimes to pay for like the musicians, but that was that wasn't like a lot of money, and it was they needed way more than that because we had services for hours, like six to eight hours, eight to ten sometimes. Hmm. And this was okay. like <laughs> that's, I mean, that's like a full workday and beyond to. I don't know, listen to someone talk. I, I mean, I know that for some people it's more than that, but for me, I would be like bored out of my mind. Was was there ever like any interactive things or were you kind of just sitting there for like eight hours like just listening? It was a typical black church where you have a lot of singing and people, people say shouting, but that's when you praise, like you, it, we didn't have praise dancing because for some reason that's the devil, but we have multiple people singing for hours and you just shout, 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 get real sweaty. But it was like, it was very, very weird. You would fall out, roll out, people run around the church, people speaking in tongues. It was, it was very jarring to people. But as for a kid and you're raised into it, it's like you think, okay, this is normal. And then when the pastor finally come in, everybody just start falling out, acting even crazier. To me, it, to me, it was more of worshiping her. It was like when she, when she wasn't here, we would have like a quick service. We usually always had a quick service. If she was out of town or if she was sick, it always be a quick service. But anytime she would be here, it'd be long because people would try to prove how safe they were and fall out and do like convulsing. It basically looked like people was having seizures everywhere. But that was just oh, I, I've been to churches where that's going on. I, to I totally understand. And for me, like singing was the only fun part. Also, I could probably sit there and sing for four hours, but the listening and trying to understand like what the, what the pastors say, that I'm like, oh, I can't listen anymore. But as far as like the convulsing and like speaking in tongues, like did anybody straight out say like, yeah, we're just this is kind of we're just doing this as, as a show, or did people truly believe that Jesus like was entering them or talking to them or it whatever? Was, it, it was not. It it was never a show to them. They truly believed that they caught the Holy Ghost. Cause that's what you would call. You were Terry. And like I said, you would call Jesus name repeatedly and you just start spitting and convulsing. And then once you speak in tongues, you have the Holy Ghost. And then you, you're supposed to feel brand new. You, you end up getting baptized and then you're supposed to just be a 180. You're supposed to be a whole different person. They say a new creature. So for the speaking in tongues, did was there any translation or were people just making stuff up? Or was there like, we're saying these specific words or whatever? Or were they just like making shit up? It was honestly a plethora of everything. We had times where people would translate stuff. Then we'll have times where people would speak in tongues. It was sense. It just... 
it just sounds like gibberish. Some people was just speaking tongues, and it just sounds like they're playing. It, to me, I feel like if experiencing it myself, I feel like if if you really believe something, you anything is real. Anything is real. If you believe deep down in your heart, something is something. It's not gonna be foreign to you, and you're gonna do what everybody else doing. Right. It's like it's like that thing of it doesn't matter if it's real to you. It's real. It doesn't matter if it's real to everybody else because for you, that's the truth. That's really what's happening. So, I think that's all. All of my my questions. Is there anything that you want to add that we didn't really talk? touch on is there anything like you, you want to add or a story you want to tell that like you're just like I just have to tell you tell you the story or anything um I guess it would be the Facebook scandal I had to be around 13 or 14 at the time and I didn't even have a Facebook I had like a MySpace account when it first happened and after church all the young people had to we had our church had these rooms where we had like a nursery, we had a place for a nursery, and we all had to go to the back. And I was like, why? And of course, she had this agitated demeanor. So I was like, of course she's upset, but what did we do? We get back there, and she was so, who said something about the church on Facebook? So I'm just imagining like 13 year olds being like, oh, who did it? Who did it? <laughs> like, you kind of like want to know the gossip. So, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Keep going. And she's just going in, talking about something. That's the devil. I don't want nothing ever been put on Facebook, all this other stuff. And all the she was asking all the older kids. We were saying, no, we ain't say nothing. We ain't say nothing. And then still to this day, I do not know what was said. And I end up, actually, this is funny. My brother's birthday was like a couple of weeks ago. We was all talking about it because he loved to. Oh, that was just crazy. But he was saying, yeah, they just said something about, um, I guess, something they didn't like about the church. And I would say, she did all of that and interrogated all of us because someone said something about the church. But here's the thing. How did you find out? Because we wasn't supposed to be on Facebook. It makes me wonder if she's, like, searching up on Facebook, like, what, what's happening just to, like, make sure everybody's in line. Or somebody like you probably saw it and told her, and that's what happened. But then it's like, should that person, by like definition, like be in trouble too? Or it's like, I'm on Facebook and I don't want to get caught, so I'm gonna tell them this, <laughs> so then maybe they'll like not believe, like maybe they'll take pity and like not punish me too. <laughs> interesting so it seems like you're doing much better now than when you, when you were in the group which is awesome would you do you have any like advice to people that maybe are in a cult-like situation and they're kind of like just got out and don't really know what to do or maybe they just don't know how to leave do you have any advice for those people my advice would be to first seek um, counseling from a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist because um, getting, a, getting advice from um, someone who's in the church is going to be biased. And if you're having doubts, do not tell anyone in there. Even if they have similar doubts, they may, they may tell someone else and you might get in trouble for it, and then you're going to be stuck in the cycle. If you're feeling like you're unfulfilled, or you're feeling like, well, why why can't I do what everyone else is doing? Why, why is this wrong? Why can't I ask questions? Just begin to start talking to a therapist, because it's, you're going to have trauma from this experience, and then you'll eventually gain strength to leave and then once you have strength to leave, find supportive people who are outside of the cult. Because that's how they get you. They, they make you have all your support in the church, 
family and friends, financial, food. They make you depend on the church. So try to find your independence, maybe um, finding something else to get monetary. If you're struggling financially, ask for some help. But my first advice is always to seek counseling because you never know what someone's going through mentally. Thank you so much for listening and thank you, Sheila, for letting me interview you about your experiences. It's been great to talk to everyone and this first episode has just barely brushed the surface of this topic. In the next few episodes, we're going to talk to more ex-cult members from several groups as well as someone who rescued a friend from a cult. If you're interested in learning more about cults, we linked several resources in the description. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of I Need to Know. Catch you next time.